go with part two of a series you may have noticed that I renamed it Wisdom Works. I still don't think it's the wittiest name. I just wanted to walk with those that listen through some of the Proverbs that uh, have helped me. Not just Proverbs, just little wisdom uh, nuggets that through the years have helped me navigate various seasons of life. And I don't know, maybe just three or four episodes or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess this is the first... Uh, podcast after the Super Bowl, and maybe you didn't watch the Super Bowl, maybe you're anti-NFL, I guess I kind of get that, you know, um, I always think about, you know, everybody wants to give Colin Kaepernick and, and those that knelt during the National Anthem, and maybe you got a million other reasons, but I look at Andrew, Andrew Whitworth, I believe, who uh, played for the plays for the Rams. He's getting ready to retire. He was very briefly the oldest player in the NFL, Um at 40 after Tom Brady announced his retirement. But uh, Andrew won Man of the Year, which has got to do with uh, the NFL's Man of the Year, which has to do with uh, activities off the field, you know, in the community, good works. And so I was curious. I I was kind of rooting for the Bengals because, you know, they haven't even been to the Super Bowl in forever, Um, three decades since they've been to the – uh, playoffs and you know I thought I mean Joe Burrow was only his second season I think came back from an ACL injury maybe you don't care about all this NFL talk but my point is is that uh, Andrew Whitworth is a strong believer in Jesus and a bright light in that world and there are so many others there are some that thank God one minute and the next minute they're getting arrested for DUI or beating somebody up at a casino in Las Vegas I understand that but then there are those whose uh, lives you know bear the fruit of the kingdom and he's one and there's many many others and so I don't just focus on the negative ones and I, I see the unifying um, aspect of something like the Super Bowl. You know, it's pretty much the world's biggest game, you know. Uh, the national anthem, they sang America the Beautiful, you know, and mentioned God, and and uh, nobody knelt. And so uh, I'm going to talk in a second just a little bit more about football, not too much, just as an illustration. You could really apply it to any sport, but we'll get there in a minute. Uh, first off, if this if you don't normally listen, my name is Mark Mason, and I'm the president and founder, along with my wife Susan, of Life on the Verge Ministries. You can check us out at lifeontheverge.com, and we also uh, have some music out there. You can look up, you can go to theplunders.com, or you can look up the plunders, not the plungers, the plunders on any of the streaming services. So, thanks for listening. So I began this series talk. I was I, I read the book uh, Uncancelled, and now I'm reading another one of Phil Robertson's book from the Duck Dynasty uh, fame. And I was so impressed about the way that he handled the Word of God and uh, his commitment. I didn't watch the show a lot, and you know there was scripted stuff there, and obviously Hollywood was in control of a lot of the creative aspects. But he is a very strong believer, and matter of fact, a deacon or an elder at his church, and you can actually look that up online. His pictures there with his church. Uh, but the way that he handled the word, I was like, man, you know, I, I just was inspired to dig a little deeper, and I ordered a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, which I got yesterday. No, I got it Monday. What's today? Anyway, uh, it's a it's a great great Bible, um, just another study tool, you know. 
and we should be studying the word and not getting a, I've heard there, heard that, been there, done that. We talked a little bit about how Proverbs talks about, it uses the term riddle, and it uses the term, uh, there was another term, figures, and how it, it means to, that many of the truths of Scripture are hidden deeper than the surface, and we got to dig a little deeper. we got to study it, and that's what the Word tells us to do, to study the Word. Paul told Timothy, study the Word um, and, and show yourself a, a good workman. And so we talked a little bit about this idea of wisdom, and that's what this series is about, is wisdom works. And I mentioned in the first episode, wisdom asked the question, what's important now? Okay, no matter what's behind you, that the past is good for one thing, to stand on and reach for your future. Whether the past is something you did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or 10 minutes ago. You know, it's, it's repent, move on, and uh, look forward. And so, I want to dig a little deeper into the Proverbs and just share a couple that I've run across. I, I've got one I want to share that I think is really going to help after I lay a little bit more groundwork. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says that, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the ways of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Wisdom is the principal thing, the most excellent of all possessions is what's being said there. It will bring you promotion and honor and grace, a crown of glory, deliverance. It says that wisdom is our life. And uh, Webster's uh, defined the word wisdom as the right use or exercise of knowledge, the choice of laudable ends and the best means to accomplish them. Uh, my paraphrase is finding the best way to accomplish a worthy goal. You know, that's wisdom is. It's all about decision making, isn't it? It's all about judging things. Hmm, I got two choices in front of me. Which path do I take? What do I do with this day? What do I do with this season of life? That's what wisdom is, knowing when to do what. And we should all be seeking wisdom on a regular basis. I think a great place to start is the book of Proverbs, and that's why it's probably the most um, highlighted book in my Bible, um, because there's so many little nuggets there, and often they're hidden, you know, in these riddles, and, and uh, you know, you got to read a whole chapter, and then you stumble across a verse, and it just stands out to you. You got to look a little deeper sometimes, and so this morning, I was reminded of one that I ran across last week, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Uh, another version says, into the new, that was the New King James Version, the New American Standard Bible says, the lazy one does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. The NIV says, sluggards do not plow in season, 
so at harvest time they look and find nothing. Now, I wanted to read all three versions of that because the New King James says, won't plow in winter. The New American Standard says, after autumn. And the NIV says, in season. So I, I began to to study that a little deeper. Like, okay, I didn't even realize that farmers plowed in the wintertime. Because I, I first read the New King James Version. And... And sure enough, they do. That's actually a tactic. When the ground's not frozen, but it's still very cold out, um, that's, a, that's a prime time to plow the fields. And then also in late autumn. And so when you see the New American Standard uh, Bible, and then the NIV says just in season, that there is a plowing season. There's a season to plow toward the harvest that you want to have. As a matter of fact, most of life is plowing and sowing the seed. The, the, you know, we don't get to see, matter of fact, our greatest harvest won't be seen until our heart stops and we're on the other side and we see the ultimate harvest of what our lives did. And so, the, of course, this brings me back to, to think about the, the, uh, the NFL. You know, those players get out there and you can apply this to any sport and, and a lot of other things, but I just thought about it. Uh, coincidentally, I'm, I, you know, the halftime show, by the way, if you watch that, um, it wasn't as thuggish as I expected, but let me tell you, <laughs> you there wasn't it wasn't really a huge sexual element this year. I was impressed by that, but this is a platform where I get to tell the other side of the story. I'm not here to throw stones at worldly people, but you may not know it's amazing. Here we've got these um, rapsters that were formerly known as gangster raps rappers. Um, that are almost looked at as some sort of, you know, uh, national icon. The biggest, largest fight that I was part of as a police officer was at an NWA concert, and Easy e who has since passed from HIV. Now, you may not know that Dr. Dre was a founding member of NWA, and if you don't know what NWA stands for, look it up, because I don't want to get in trouble like Joe Rogan uh, in this politically correct world. But uh, that concert was the filthiest audio experience of my life, and I've heard some things. I could not... There were little children running around in that place, they had undermanned it. They had, we were at the Scope uh, Coliseum or whatever in, in Norfolk, and I was working part-time as a Norfolk police officer, and there was only four of us working that concert. And uh, there was, you know, the security guys from Scope, which, you know, God bless them, but they don't have guns or anything. And, and uh, we weren't there to call trouble. We caused trouble. We were just there to earn some extra money for our families. We weren't trying to get into nothing. And, uh, of course, around that time is when the song F the Police had been released. And, and so these guys were on that platform, and they were saying things. Now, look, I was raised in public school. I was raised around the most potty mouth people you can imagine. They were saying things that was, they were triple X rated. I mean, from the platform, just the nastiest stuff. And I was like, wow, I was shocked by it, to be honest. And uh, there was no love lost between the police and those guys, but they were writing songs about killing cops and all that kind of thing. Um, nevertheless, we just kind of stood on the perimeter and, you know, we're there if something happens. Well, sure enough, there was a crowd of, of people you could see about 25 or so people that were running through the throng of other people. You just see this movement, like an organism, you know, of this crowd moving within the crowd up in the balcony area. 
And then a, a little while later, there they go again. What was going on? Well, we found out that there was a group from the projects across the street of black kids that were robbing white kids. There weren't many there, but they were robbing them uh, and then running, running from them. And that's what the running was about. Well, then they started pretty much robbing anybody and punching people and all this. And then they went into the song, F the Police. And let me tell you, it was as if the demons were unleashed. We were on the floor and a fight broke. The, the crowd that had been moving through the crowd was now on the floor and a fight broke out. And all I did, we didn't have pepper gas in those days. We didn't have tasers. All we had was a big flashlight. I just spun around in a circle, striking numerous people only in an effort to escape. And I got out of it. That ended up, they tore down the t-shirt stand. They tore down the light stands. They find, They just kept going with the song, though. You know, like that recent concert where people got trampled. You know, maybe the guys on the stage didn't realize that they were inciting something. They were releasing something into the crowd. And uh, before it was over with, finally the lights came on. They shut the concert down. One person was shot. One person was stabbed. And so... I don't even know where I went off on that tangent, but it gives me a chance to vent and say, no, these guys are not national heroes by any stretch whatsoever. They may be talented. They may have figured out how to navigate the system for their personal gain, but I really don't think they've did a lot of good for our society and certainly don't think that what's coming out of their mouth is coming from a heart uh, that wants the good for everyone. Anyway, I'm being a judge, aren't I? They're of, you know, I, I believe they're of the world. Uh, most of those guys. Now, Kendrick Lamar is supposed to be a believer, and I'm just giving you the other side of the story. Judge the fruit for yourself. And that was many, many years ago. I hope they all come to Jesus. And I I couldn't make out the words at halftime. So of all the songs, and I don't know exactly what they were saying. I know Eminem did a kneel down, uh, supposedly, you know, to show respect to Colin Kaepernick and all that. That was the only hint. So there's room to criticize the NFL. There's my point. Uh, I get that. All of that, I just said, probably wasn't necessary at all. I just wanted to vent and uh, tell you the other side of the story. Anyway, uh, those players that play in the NFL, I want you to think about their plowing season. You know, their off season isn't very long at all. As a matter of fact, I think I read they only get a couple of weeks or something like that, and they're right back in the gym. They're getting their head back in the game preparing for the next season. That's their plowing season. And when you think about it, think about how much plowing, preparing, getting ready goes into, in essence, for most teams, about 17 hours of playtime. I think it's 17 games they play now, something like that. And, and it's only an hour per game. Of the, the games last longer because of timeouts and commercials and all that, but it's really only four 15-minute quarters. So for those few hours of play, look at all the backstory, all the plowing, all the hard work to get out there and bring that. Well, we've got to all uh, work hard during our plowing season. Now I'm preaching to myself because we're very much in a plowing season right now, and it, it's it's rough. You know, the, the ground is hard, and, and man, just got to keep pushing that plow, you know. Lord, give me strength. Help me to get up and do the things that I need to do today because I'm thinking about the harvest. I'm thinking about where I want to land. I'm thinking about the outcome. And, and as I read that uh, passage and started to study it, 
I realized that one of the reasons that farmers plow in the winter or when it's colder is to flip the soil and pull out the bugs and the critters so they freeze to death. And the soil is healthier. Their, their seed doesn't get eaten. And so that it was like a revelation to me. You hear what I said about looking a little deeper at the Proverbs, you know, and, and studying them out? As I did that, I could have skimmed right over that. But I, I, I wanted to find out, why do, why do farmers plow in the winter? And, and that is a tactic, to plow when it's very cold outside, to pull those bugs and critters out of the ground. That's one reason. Um, and it dawned on me that that's that's what we're doing right now is we're trying to work out the bugs we're trying to work out the things that might get in the way of the harvest down the road and you know a lot of precautionary things a lot of preparation things working out the bugs um, it's one of the reasons that we we do live rehearsals as if we're playing through for a live audience and i got a few new pedals on my board and we've got some new sound equipment and stuff like that working all the bugs out our vehicles we've got a new truck we're taking on the road there's a bunch of different things we needed to get done for that praise god thank the lord for uh, lighthouse uh, church down in gloucester uh, where we began in ministry, they donated an extra $2,500 so we could get a bed slide in the back of that truck that is 100% extension. That means we can anything that's in the truck can be pulled all the way out of the truck with this slide so we can get to it. Just working out the bugs, working on the details. And so maybe you're in a season like that where, where it's a season to go, let me work out, let me plow hard. You know, now, now first... I guess you have to determine what is the outcome? What is the harvest that you are looking for? You know, because it's hard to plow if you don't have a picture in your mind. This is about vision of what you're trying to accomplish and why you're trying to accomplish it. And ultimately, I would hope that you're trying to accomplish it for the glory of God and the service of other people, whatever that thing may be. It doesn't have to be a ministry per se, like what we do. It could be your business. It could be, you know, your job that you're in right now, you know, what is, what does a healthy harvest look like? For you. And so, and then I, it dawned on me when I thought about plowing. Uh, we haven't had a garden in many, many years. Uh, we haven't had the property to do it. But we used to live uh, on a 26 acre farm uh, for $350 a month. That's another crazy miracle story, by the way. And uh, most of it was wooded, it was on the side of a mountain, pretty much. But there was a nice big plot for planting a garden. And we were approaching the, the Y2K season where they didn't know if things were going to fall apart. We figured, well, we always wanted to have a garden anyway. We may as well can some food. So we got, a, and we lived in West Virginia where everybody did that. And so I spotted out what we were, where we were going to plant this garden. And it was a big garden, man. It had to be 50 yards long and 20 yards wide at least. And uh, I didn't have anything to plow with. So I borrowed a plow from a friend of mine in the church a really nice heavy-duty plow. Um, actually, let me back up. First, I got a friend with a tractor and a plow to come over and just very quickly plow this huge plot of land where we were going to plant. And he went, went over it. Beautiful. Then we go out there and we look, and it is full of fist-sized stones. I mean, there had to be thousands of them. I guess because of the just the geography of where in the mountains where we were, it pulled all these huge stones out. And that's another thing that when we plow, when we turn the soil, when we do the hard work, 
we we identify the obstacles to growth. We, we that's what we're trying to do during the plowing season. We work out the bugs. We we try to figure out what are the things that could you know hinder a harvest down the road before we get there. Let's prepare this soil. So I had my kids out there with five gallon buckets picking up stones, and we had little altars. <laughs> all around the perimeter of this plot of of land that we had plowed looked like little altars of stone and i thought it was ready but i figured you know i probably ought to hit it one more time with a plow now so then i borrowed the plow from a friend in the church a hand push thing uh kind of self-propelled you know that type of plow this gas power and you just walk behind it and i plowed it again and guess what a fresh crop of stones came up so there were my kids back out there and us five-gallon buckets, building our little altars. And then finally, the soil was ready. And uh, and then we planted, and we had a huge garden. Aside from the deer eating all of our corn right before we picked it, we grew a lot of other stuff. And we had just out of it, probably hundreds of cans of stuff. Susan worked her butt off, and, and it was great. It was great. You know, we knew our harvest. We wanted to have a lot of canned food. I mean, Y2K came to nothing, but even if... It, even if that happened or not, we wanted to have a lot of canned food uh, through the winter and the fall and the winter. And so it worked. And if I had land now, I'd probably do that. I prefer to eat uh, fresh grown vegetables. But my point is, is that we've got to take advantage of plowing season. And that is the hard season. That's the season when you're likely to have those funky days, I sure do, where you just lose your motivation. You've got to get that picture in your mind of what does the harvest look like? What am I aiming at? And you've got to visit that on a regular basis and remind yourself of why you're working so hard. Now, if you don't have a vision, a a detailed picture of a preferred future in your mind of what you'd like to accomplish, you don't have goals set, I encourage you to read books like Visioneering. Read my book. My book, Thrival Mode, is a very short book, a quick read. You can download it for free on our website, lifeontheverge.com. Um, or you can go get it for three bucks, the e-version off of Amazon, or you can email me at mark on the life on the, at lifeontheverge.com and I'll send you a copy of it. Um, but it, you know, I, I studied vision for a long time and it's the way that we kind of came to understand vision and the importance of it. And I'm preaching to myself here now because we are in this off season where we're doing a lot of plowing. We're working out the bugs. We're, you know, getting the stones out of the soil and preparing the soil for a harvest where we're going to scatter seed, which brings me to uh, my next little passage of scripture that I read last night. I was really praying for wisdom. You know, that's what Solomon prayed for uh, instead of wealth and fame and all. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom and said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom to lead my people, but I'm also going to give you wealth and fame. So I was praying last night about a lot of different things, but above all, I asked the Lord for wisdom. Help me take advantage and make the most of every opportunity, make the right decision. Now, I probably fail to do that more than I succeed, but the Bible says we're to cry out for wisdom. We're to ask the Lord for wisdom, the book of James. You know, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives it without finding fault. You know, ask God for wisdom. So I was in this state of prayer late last night, almost midnight, and I turned to Luke chapter 16, 
which uh, is the, the the account or the parable, rather, I guess, that Jesus gave of a of a guy that was about to basically get fired because of his poor management, and uh, and he knew he was going to get fired, so he went out to all these customers of his master's business, his his boss's business, and he cut their debt in half. He said, "You know what? You you owe a thousand dollars. Let's write it up for five hundred. You pay me five hundred." And he went out and he got all these funds, and I'm sure he gave it back to the manager, but it was only half of what was owed. Now, some people think that perhaps he paid the difference out of his own pocket. But the point of why he did that is he knew that he was getting ready to lose his job, and he wanted a lot of friends out there that would receive him when he lost his job, that would help him out when he was in a bind. And, uh, and that's exactly what he did, and Jesus commended him. And, and Jesus even said something to the effect of worldly people use money. They're more shrewd than those of the kingdom. And he basically told us to be, you know, well, let me read the scripture, Luke 16, 8, at the, at the conclusion, it says the master, the guy that's going to fire this dude, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, when I read that, I was like, now that's going to require some study. I've read it before, but I've never really studied it out. And I have this book called Hard Sayings of the Bible, and I looked it up in there, looked at several versions and commentaries, and most of them agree that what's being said is that Jesus is saying, use money, this world's money, use generosity with that money to touch the hearts of other people so that when you are in need, people will be there for you. Now, some versions, uh, because not long after that, Jesus tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was the beggar at the rich man's table. And the rich man wouldn't help him out, and then the rich man died and basically went to hell. And he, he could see Lazarus, and he needed help. But on the other side of our heartbeat, um, there was nobody there to welcome him. So that Hard Sayings book talks about that perhaps what's being said is that sow in this world, be generous in this world, so that when you get to heaven, there'll be a welcoming party for you. Um, you're already known. So that made me ask the question, what am I investing in? What does, my, what does my harvest look like? What does your harvest look like? What are you investing in? You know, how will I know that I arrived? And in our case, you know, how, I've asked myself, how am I investing this precious thing called time and then the talents that I've acquired through the years and then the treasure, the, the funds that the Lord has put in my hands? Um, am I preparing plowing, doing the hard work, flipping the soil, readying the field in the direction of that desired outcome. Well, for us, I, the harvest that, that you know, I hope, really, I'm just preparing to plant the seed. I thought that that's all that we really can do. We can't save anybody. All we can do is go out there and scatter the seed. And we know that really most of it is going to fall on bad soil. Um, but some of it's going to fall on good soil. So for us, the harvest, most we won't get to see. I mean, we get letters from some inmates and we see some of it. We have a few stories through the years of 
people that have come to the Lord and our ministry has impacted them, but really we're just scattering seed. And so for us, the victory, the outcome, the preferred future is to get back on the field and be able to scatter that seed. That's that's the moment where we feel like we're in the zone. What does your moment look like? What does it what does the wind look like? Def, define it. And and I would pray that that because we labor in such a way that one day we'll get to see the totality of our harvest on the other side. And I pray that you are using your time, talent, and treasure. If you're building a business, for example, you know there are business people in our church, at least two this year gave over a million dollars to missions in our church. That is absolutely stunning. Um, and and I I would hope that they love the Lord and they're, you know, they're not just doing that to say, look at me. As a matter of fact, they don't really get much public credit for it. But they're, they're sowing in the direction of heaven that one day they're going to stand before the Lord. They're going to go on the other side of this heartbeat and know that there are people that were impacted because they ran their business with the intent to make a lot of money so that they could give a lot of money. And at the same time, they could serve people through their business. So there's just a few thoughts on Proverbs and, and the importance of looking a little deeper and understanding that that plowing season, that season that you may be in preparing for the next thing that you feel like you want to accomplish, that you want to do for the glory of God and the service of others, there's going to be that plowing season, working the bugs out. Look, maybe it's your second, third, fourth, tenth time at bat trying to do something. Well, go back and look and see, well, what can I do better? What do I need to adjust? And God will reward us for all of that. Understand what the Lord spoke to my heart was that everything that we're doing, working the bugs out, whether it's getting the oil changed in one of our vehicles, I've got a vehicle I've got to sell, I've got administrative stuff to do, emails to send, all of that is generously giving of my time, talent, and treasure with the end goal of hoping to see a heavenly harvest, to see the kingdom of God expand. That, that you know, is the intent, as imperfect as I am. And I would pray that, that's your, that you're not going to work just to make a living, okay? You're going to work so that you will have something more where you can serve people in your work, but you also want to be able to uh, be generous uh, toward those around you, your church and missions and those that are in need, your neighbors. And so, wow, some scrambled thoughts there. And uh, I hope that you got something out of it. And we'll be back with another just nugget from Proverbs in the next episode. We'll stay on this for a little bit as the Lord kind of gives me little insights. I'm just sharing with you. God bless you. Have a great week. Sometimes falling angels fly I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.